Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Well, hello, 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 everybody. It is Forbes Riley. Welcome to the Forbes Factor, my favorite hour of the week. Don't tell that to my husband and kids because I'm playing hooky. Hey, guys, uh, if you're listening to this live, what a crazy time. We are speeding into the end of 2022. If it's recorded, try and remember. But it's always kind of a weird feeling. I, I decided, I think, this summer that I just love summer. I ran away to Greece, as many of you saw, my daughter and I, and then my son joined us and had just the most wonderful time. And I remember thinking, guys, if you close your eyes and breathe, it's gonna be Christmas. That's how fast life seems to be going. And sure enough, it is that time. We've already passed Halloween and all of a sudden the decorations are coming up and Thanksgiving and all of this, this end of year, looking back and reflecting on what was last year, what is moving forward. And today I have a very special I, this is a great moment in my life. I'm not going to look back on last year. I'm going to look back on the last 15 years when I first met my guest. And it was a very special time in my life. I had just created my fitness product, Spin Gym, which many of you know I still talk endlessly about. He hasn't talked about it in years. And um, he and his partners had met me in Los Angeles and gave me one of my very first speaking opportunities ever on their stage. I will be forever grateful. I'm sure I've thought about him more than he's thought about me. Uh, and then I was on Clubhouse and his picture popped up and his voice popped up. And I was hearkened back to a time that I want to take all of you back to before you were doing what you're doing, or maybe you're now and you dream of doing something. What, what were you thinking? You know, we talk about that the decisions that you made about five years ago put you right here. Well, a decision I made about 20 years ago with this man put me here. And I've pursued it ever since. And I've certainly watched and followed him. He was an author back then, an owner of a company. And I'm not going to go into great detail about his background. He's going to share that with you. But one of the more fascinating people I've met in my journey, please welcome to my stage, Mr. Ryan Blair. Oh, Forbes, it's great to see you. I'm so excited. All right. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen. Now, my audience on my, my, my radio station can't listen to this, but when's the last time you saw that image, my friend? Wow, look at that. I, came I, lot, I was a lot younger back then. Look at that. That's, that's uh, quite, a, quite a picture of both of us. Wow. Isn't that just, we kind of look the same as a little bit, but yeah. that was at uh, backstage. I found that literally by accident. This is where I don't think there's any accidents because I came across that. I haven't seen this in so long. So Mr. Ryan Blair, oh my goodness. It is great to see you. You know, I remember taking that picture with you now that you show it to me. I remember I was all dapper, this beautiful influential woman who's, uh, you know, a, a promising entrepreneur, a TV personality, wants a picture with me. I remember pinching myself saying, I can't believe she wants a picture with me. Sure, I'll take a picture with you. So yeah, that was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And you know, what's funny is that you never know what someone else is thinking or experiencing. And a lot of my life, and I share this a lot, I was an introvert, I got way too nervous, way too starstruck. I grew up as an ugly, awkward girl watching a lot of people on television. And when I met them and became friends with them, it was a little hard initially. The, just so you know, 16 years old, I'm in the Miss Teenage America pageant. And the first celebrity I meet is Bob Hope. 
And I remember looking at him and I couldn't not see the TV or movie screen in front of him. I didn't like he's real. And uh, <laughs> I know. Right. How? So back then you had just started. Well, I'm, actually, I don't know you before that moment. I only know that when you signed on to be the CEO of this company, can you bring us back to the, the younger Mr. Ryan Blair that I've read about in your book? Um, and I'm excited for you to share because this is really about being real raw and authentic and my audience is entrepreneurs and dreamers and you have lived the ups and downs of an amazing life yes 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 thank you you know i i could just say that my um my my early upbringing was filled with a lot of adversity and at first i was in the middle class and uh, shockingly the middle class in my opinion has more adversity than even poverty but i started in the middle class my dad was an engineer my mother was a homemaker i'm the youngest of seven and as a result of alcoholism and drug addiction, my family got torn away from me. And my middle-class identity was ripped away from me. The home was foreclosed on, the cars were repossessed, lost my father. My mother uh, had to get a, a job just making ends meet, uh, minimum wage working in a deli. And uh, we went from the middle-class to poverty. And in poverty, I, I got caught up with the wrong kids in my neighborhood. Uh, my sister's best friend was murdered in a drive-by shooting. And I was forced into a gang. And from that moment forward, I then started uh, my path as an entrepreneur. In the middle class, I had paper routes. I had lemonade stands. Uh, and then also I'm in poverty. My mom can't afford to you know, put food on the table. I'm growing like crazy. I'm six foot three. I need new clothes. Yeah, I needed to survive. And so I got caught up in a lot of illegal entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, I got in trouble for that. I went to juvenile hall a number of times, was arrested a number of times, and it looked like I was going to go to prison for the rest of my life, or I was going to become a professional criminal. That was the path that I was on. And I was facing a four-year prison sentence, and this is when I had my very first spiritual moment. I was locked up in solitary confinement in a juvenile detention center, and the only book they would allow me to read was the Bible. And I'd pace around in the cell, awaiting my sentencing, reading this Bible out loud. I remember I had visions that I'd one day be a preacher. And I was like, I didn't think I could ever be a preacher based on the amount of sin that I had committed, even at an early age. And something told me, write the judge a letter. And I wrote the judge a letter. I had freshman education at the time in high school. I flunked out of every class, math, reading, English, you name it. But I wrote him a letter and I wrote it over and over and over again. I would ask the, the, uh, the, the warden to actually review it and, and spell check it and give it back to me so that I could correct it. And when I gave the judge a letter, he looked me in the eyes and said, son, you should be writing in college, Ooh. not in prison. Oh. And that moment, that was the first time a authority figure had ever looked at me and said the word college in the same sentence. So at that moment, I thought to myself, maybe I will be a writer. And, um, and shortly after that, I made a commitment to the judge that I would I would not come back. He said, if I ever see you back here, you're going to go to prison. And, you know, that's going to be a, bit, a bad situation for you. I had brothers and sisters that had gone to prison and friends that were serving life uh, terms in prison. So I knew that if I went back to saw this judge again, that, you know, I'd likely go to prison and that could wind up, you know, being the rest of my life. And so I made a decision that I was going to change my life and honor the commitment I'd made to the judge and to my mother in those letters that I wrote in that juvenile detention center. And shortly after I, I got out of juvenile hall, a mentor showed up into my life. And uh, next thing you know, I'm an entrepreneur, a, a legal entrepreneur. 
And I've been an entrepreneur ever since. So I, I started my career as an entrepreneur at 20 years old. Um, and uh, I worked for my mentor for a couple of years, learning the ins and outs of a company. And then from there, I went on to start my own ventures. And so then that's, that's such a powerful story. I raised a little boy from South Central Los Angeles, mm. who I was his mentor along with my ex-husband. And mother, no father, did not get into gangs. We got him when he was eight years old and kept him out of gangs. Wow. Unlike everyone else in his neighborhood, he grew up right outside of USC. For those of you who don't know, it's one of the richest schools in the country, but there's a surrounding ghetto in that area. Um, and there's a real interesting disparity, but he was walking from a haircut to church one morning, right after my children were born, six months after they were born. And even though we kept him out of jail, no tattoos, no pregnancies, a kid who wanted to get into a gang, walked up behind my Dexter on a Sunday morning, shot him 10 times in the back and left him for dead on the sidewalk so that wow. he could belong and I can't hold it against the guy. Uh, I kind of can sometimes. He's set, he's spending 52 years of life in jail for that decision. And my Dexter is gone. Oh. Uh, but it but it allows me to um, to have a platform, you know, yeah. to to talk to other moms who have now gone through this. You know, you talk about drive by shootings, losing somebody that you love that much. My he was my best man at my wedding. My wedding photo was on the cover of the L.A. Times things that you don't want. So the fact that you have that journey is definitely what you needed to do. It really is. Cause that was a really impactful story. Thank you. Yeah. I'm tearing up with you here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's kind of, it's interesting. Um, I, I can usually talk about Dexter, but I'm looking at you and seeing all that you became and I had such high hopes yeah. for him because we worked so hard. Uh, mm. And my two kids, I'm crying now. My kids are going to be 20. They were little when I met you. They are both yeah. 20 years old. One is a multi-million dollar entrepreneur, is my daughter, and my son is in Boston at college, and they're thriving, and they learn from all the mistakes. And I know I've met your son. Do you have more kids than just your son? Just one. Just oh, one. my God. I met him when yeah. he was a little one. Uh, and I yeah, he's, doing, I he's, he's doing amazing now. He's 13 years old, and uh, it's amazing. You know, I, I just want to share that the hardship that you went through is is extremely challenging. And I, I know many people and I've I've mentored many people that have gone through some significant hardships. And anytime you lose someone you love unexpectedly after you've done everything that you possibly could, as you did, to try to protect him. And, you know, it just shows you that there is a dark force on this planet and there is evil out there. And, you know, unfortunately, on that day, evil won. And so I'm sorry that you and your family had to endure that. And, you know, I'm, uh, I am I have no doubt in my mind that you did everything you could to provide him the love and nurturing that he did. And I have no doubt in my mind that he's looking down upon us right now with us in this room, uh, connected to you, thanking you, you know, for the motherly love that you gave him. Because even though he wasn't with you in fit the physical realm, the love that you gave him will last for eternity. Well, thank you, because that means a lot. It's... um. Well, I get not, you know, it's funny. You and I both have a, a spiritual path and I don't ever get this emotional about it, but I, hmm, thank you, Brian. <laughs> All right, let's that's, go. My, that's my job. <laughs> I know, I know. And I love that you said that. And I am, I trust that he and his birth mom are both together finally and loving each other yeah. and uh and i know that he would be so amazingly proud of all that we're done sometimes in the name of him you know he yeah. is bigger than he might have ever been because we loved each other yeah. that said um you then went had a couple of businesses and things that you started how did you end up in vaisalis how did that happen well 
Uh, it's an interesting story. So I, I, after I worked with my mentor in real estate, he had me doing a lot of very difficult jobs like eviction notices and restoring uh, uh, low-income foreclosures and lots of dirty work. And I, I didn't like it. I, I wanted to do something that was uh, more in the computer sciences realm because in the gang, my racket was I stole computers. So I knew how to reprogram them and, and uh, build them. I was like the most nerdy gang member you've ever met in your life. And so uh, I wanted to move into the computer field. I did, um, uh, shortly after working for my mentor, I got a job in a, a computer sciences uh, company and I excelled. It was my passion. You know, I worked, uh, you know, seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day, some days more, learning and mastering the art of computer sciences, software engineering, software, uh, data centers, you know, programs, you know, those types of things. Um, and then I decided that I, I actually watched a documentary and it showed that it was called the Pirates of the Silicon Valley. And it showed the luminaries in Silicon Valley starting these companies and becoming multimillionaires. And for the first time, I had chills come all over my body. It was a very spiritual experience. I realized I was going to do that. I was going to become one of those people that started, you know, big companies. And so from that moment forward, I started my plan to leave that company and start my first business, which was called 24-7 Tech. From there, I started a company called Sky Pipeline, uh, which uh, provided uh, was an early pioneer of wireless broadband. And then my investors in Sky Pipeline had owned a large candle company called Party Light Candles. And you might have uh, remember Party Light. They were the world's largest candle company. And I would ask my investors, like, how do you have 70, 80,000 salespeople? I don't get it. Like, I couldn't fathom a building that held 80,000 people. And they explained to me about this thing called the direct selling model. As fate would have it, I would sell Sky Pipeline and two entrepreneurs, Nick and Blake, came to me with this direct selling idea that they had been incubating. And they had gotten it to about $20,000 a month. And so I decided after selling Sky Pipeline that I'd join them and build this company called Visalis. Um, and, you know, the rest is history. We were able to build Visalis together, you know, into a 600 plus million dollar company and exit it. Uh, in a $700 plus million transaction in 2012. I intersected with you guys. And I may, must have met maybe Blake first. And I remember, yeah. so here I am with this baby entrepreneur, no idea about entrepreneurs, don't have many mentors. I wish I had known a little bit more what I know now. I would have really elevated with you guys. And there's these three very handsome young men, all very different. You know, Nick Sarnicola is kind of like the movie star, hit guy. Blake is also very handsome, but much more like the, you know, the guy that you see running the ship and then in walks Ryan. And I was like, I'm just kind of happy to be in the boardroom. <laughs> and I'm out there thinking I want to be a you know, a motivational speaker at that time, don't have much of a background in it, certainly been an actress. And I have this fitness product that I'm obsessed with. And I thought, wow. And, and then I loved your product. They sold a protein powder. And for me as a woman with very specific taste buds, it tasted like cake mix. I loved it. And we were off to the races. Unfortunately, I never in, that, in those days clicked with the concept of selling one-to-one. My specialty, and I now teach pitching at the highest level, I'll sell to a TV camera. I can imagine who's out there. But the one-on-one -on -one thing I never got a hold of, and I got to speak on their stage in front of like 1,200 people down in, I think it was Florida. And it was a spectacular, but I also, I was so shy back then that I watched you guys from afar and just admired how you guys grew the company. And I took lots of notes. I mean, there was a moment when Nick asked his girlfriend who was part of the company to marry him on stage. I thought, 
you guys are brilliant. You know, <laughs> it's like kind of like Kardashian brilliant. Like you keep doing these things that just elevate you guys forward. And I just thought masterful moments, community. Are you a community builder? Is that one of the things you specialized in back then? Yeah, you know, I've I've because I think I had such a difficult family experience, I've always sought to build family in the companies I'm a part of. And and that lends itself well to building movements. So, you know, the absence of my family uh, environment and having a strong family help, you know, has me uh, seek to build family in the companies I'm a part of. And so that's part of the magic that, you know, that's created some great companies. You know, it took me like 30 years to understand that. I also didn't grow up with much of a family after I lost my parents. I now, my community is about 14,000 students in the last two years is my family and I treat them that way. And it's been spectacular, but it took me a long, long time to figure some of this out. Yeah. You, you're, by the way, you're blowing up. Like I, I should be interviewing you on this uh, show here because from when I first met you to where you are today, you know, you, your star has aligned and it's just risen impeccably. So congratulations to you. And uh, you know, to all the, the, you know, the beautiful work that you're doing out there, helping serve so many people, you know, I'll, I'll peek in on clubhouses every once in a while and the reverence that people have for you when you enter the room, it's amazing. Like people will be like, oh my gosh, Forbes Riley is here, Forbes Riley is here. And, and, you know, they're just delighted that you're in the room. Oftentimes you'll come in, speak for a couple minutes and then bounce. And I'm just like, wow, like she showed up. So when you when you and I first met, I was that person that walked in the room and everyone was like, oh, Ryan's in the room, Ryan's in the room. And now I get the, the privilege of sitting back and watching you enter the room with such energy uh, and such impact. So it's a beautiful thing to witness. It's been a lot of fun. And I know, and I've watched you all along and I still talk to Blake. I've never talked to Nick after that, but Blake and I have been friends and I even know where he is now. Um, and I ran into, I believe your ex-wife in Century City Mall in a store. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Years ago. And we kind of hung out for a while. And I, she's beautiful and adorable. And we're talking about your son. And I said at some moment, I would love to reconnect. And then that's how I found you in a room. Uh, Luckily, the 21st century is extraordinary. It's really allowed me to, you know, did you, I don't quite know how old you are. Do you remember CB radios? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. my parents that were, they were avid CB radios. We had a CB radio in our kitchen and every night we would talk on the radio. It's what was like, uh, you'd say ten four over and out? <laughs> yeah. What, what's what's your ten twenty? Is your location? Yeah. What, that's it. There you go. What's your ten twenty? I remember that now. Yeah. And that's crazy. So I definitely had the education for that, and I enjoy that so much. But I will tell you uh, that came about because I'm in, I'm married to a beautiful man right now who's a fitness bodybuilder. In fact, mm. December fourteenth, he's going for Mister Olympia. Oh wow! Uh, which is great, right? Except that January second of twenty twenty. Little pre-COVID, he's on his motorcycle, gets hit by a car, shattered his ankle, his back, his ribs, spends six months in a wheelchair and shrivels down to nothing. And he gets up um, with his crutch, shaved his head, looked terrible and said, take a picture of me. I'm like, why? He said, because next year I'm going to be Mr. Olympia. And I thought, oh, dude, uh, look at you. Um, Okay, fine. And sure enough, the gym's open and he limped to the gym he has a system, which I will share with you because he builds muscle like nobody's business wow. and in a very safe way. I mean, here's a man, if I showed you his image, you'd be like, wow, maybe on the break I will. Um, he does no push-ups, no sit-ups, no pull-ups, no squats. None of the things that people do to hurt themselves. It's a very organic way to train a muscle at a time. And he's very, sp- he's also very shy. So he doesn't talk much. He just does what he does. And he did. He entered the competition last year 
looked gorgeous, got on stage, and he limped so bad that the judges were like nervous mm. for him. He lost and he came back and he said, I'm done. I said, okay, that's cool. The next day he wakes up and he pulls a Tom Brady. So I'm not done. I got one. <laughs> and he decides to enter a, a, a more of a smaller contest. He wins those two titles. And he said to me, look, I promise I'll be done after this one more. I've got one more thing to do. And again, I said to him, because he he's not quite as spiritual. I said, I think the accident was for the greater good. And he's like, yeah. what? What do you mean? I said, because you've always been beautiful. You were a top fashion model. You were a Chippendale. People looked at you and go, wow, you're gay yay for you. Now you represent somebody who had the courage, the determination, and the fortitude to go through, even though it hurts you every day, that you want something so bad that nothing is going to stop you. Mm. That's a nice beautiful. lesson. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an amazing lesson. And, you know, I would say that that theme exists in my experience as well. And I, I believe that we set up an obstacle course, you know, for us to go through. And so the injury that you described for your husband was, you know, a perfect obstacle for him to go through to become the man that he came here to be. So what, what a beautiful story. And it's, it, that's been part of my journey to understand this story. And I love that I've gotten to be a storyteller. I imagined this woman years ago that I get to be, and every day that I'm in being her is like a blessing. You know, you're doing it by the way, just as a third party, you know, as an old friend that's uh, peeking in on your existence, I have to tell you that you're doing it and you're doing it in a way that is inspiring to all of us. You know, I'm 45 years old. I want to have as much energy and as much uh, impact as you do for the rest of my life. And I'm watching you impact at the highest level. And I'm saying, I want to be like her. Like I want to, I want to make, I want to have the type of energy, the type of enthusiasm, the articulation, every, you have everything. So I just want to acknowledge you for the excellence that you embody and demonstrate and the mastery. What people don't understand is to be as congruent as you and as convicted as you and to have the, the articulation that you have, the speaking ability that you have, all of these are skills that you learned. And as you said, you were the opposite of that. You're, you know, you're anything but uh, that. You had to learn these skills. So congratulations to you and, and you're an inspiration to us all. Did my like initial speaking mentor 15 years later just say all those things? <laughs> like, really? And yeah. by the way, I'm 62 years old. That's the yeah. crazy thing. This is, I definitely got to a level of my life. I was fortunate enough to hang out with Jack LaLanne and his wife, who's now 96, on her way to 97, I think. She has more energy than I do. And I do think as I look at the list of people that I've been honored to meet and touch throughout my life, it almost seems like a movie. And I will tell you that one of the things we talk about manifestation, and I'm not going to talk to you for hours here because you have a beautiful spiritual calling now that I do really want to touch on. I know we got a, a break. Maybe we'll have our audience. That will be the second half of this because I'm still grounded and just connecting to you. <laughs> and I look at them and I'm like, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be James Bond. That was what I had in my mind. I had a set of braces where I couldn't talk. I had a finger in my mouth for Chris. I took like this. I was a very awkward girl with frizzy hair and a broken nose and braces and just, but I dreamed a lot. I, I kept thinking about things and wanting them to be real. And including, I do almost think that you, your stage might've been the first stage I was ever on. Wow. And I didn't look like it was the first time I was there, but I will tell you it led, it was the beginning of a beautiful journey. So I will be forever grateful to you. And I think what I'm most grateful for is what you just said and the opportunity to thank you for believing in me, you know? My, it's my honor. You know, one of the, 
things that I take the most joy in is, you know, the impact that I've been able to be a part of, you know, and when you think about true legacy, it's not about what you, what you get out of this world. It's not about what you're able to take. It's about what you're able to leave behind and to know that, you know, I helped give you a little bit of inspiration and connection that you've then now shared with tens of thousands, millions of people, you know, this is, this is why I exist. And so it's a privilege to know that the work that we did 15 years ago continues. Well, I really, now that I really heard your story the way I did, you know, funny because Tony Robbins shares a similar story. And you yeah. look at, I call them springboard stories. I look at people who've gone down to a level of such depth and pain and then managed to rebound up. It, it's spectacular. And it does leave all of these markers for everyone else who's who's writing their story right now. And mm-hmm. sometimes in the dark wondering, will I ever amount to anything? Do I matter? Am I enough? And I'm going to tell you, judging by how we turned out, stay the path, find mentors and move forward. Uh, we do have three minutes for our first break. Let's talk about your son for a second. Yeah. Um, you are excited to be a dad. I know that. But your son has some challenges. And I'm only asking that because when I read your speaker sheet, you have that as one of the questions that you want to be asked. Yeah. Yeah. My my family um, and my son in particular struggle with autism. And it was a really difficult experience that we went through as a family. And I have to tell you that by the grace of God, a lot of prayer it's a complete miracle and a lot of help, a lot of investments in therapy and so forth. It's a complete miracle. And he no longer suffers from autism uh, today. And I share that with the world to give them hope and let them know that no matter what they're enduring, that there is a divine force out there and that your prayers can be answered. If you petition correctly and you do the work, you can bring miracles into your family. And, And I'm I'm a man that'll tell you right now that my son's health today is a miracle that I get to witness each and every single day, uh, certainly in comparison to where it was, you know, when he was younger. And I would love you to move that forward because I know it between therapy, between work, between food, between prayer, that other families need to know that there is hope. That happens to be one one thing that's happening in the world that is running rampant for whatever reason. I don't want to blame all the reasons I think. But yeah. nevertheless, it takes parents who just wanted this miracle and now have a bit of a struggle. And so I love that you are are talking about this so openly. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. The what, what parents don't realize is that they can bring light into their children's lives if they if they align themselves correctly and do the deep prayer work and the deep spiritual work, they can actually bring blessings into their family that include healing in miraculous ways. And I'm living proof of that. And so I share that testimony to try to inspire people to do the spiritual work. If things aren't going right in your life right now, do the spiritual work. You know, when we come back, we're going to delve into that. Brian's got a new company. He talks about breath work and leadership, and you're not going to want to miss the second half of this show. You're listening to The Forbes Factor with Forbes Riley. Don't go away. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. 
The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice of America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel this is the voice america influencers channel be inspired you are listening to the forbes factor to call in with a question or comment please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to forbes at forbesriley.com now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hi, guys. I'm so very excited. My guest is just blowing my mind and making me feel like an absolute special princess in the entire world. So thank you, thank you, Mr. Ryan Blair. Uh, and judging by his heart and who he is, I think he does that for a lot of people. I am very grateful for all of these years that we've managed to watch each other's journey and share this with you. Because the second half of this program is going to get pretty woo-woo, as some of my friends like to say. Yeah. Do people say kind of weird woo-woo? You went from the business world to the woo-woo world. Do they mind? Do you, do they, they maybe like Grant Cardone makes they fun ask of me that. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I, I think that I'm uh, a part of a shift where before people separated their spirituality from business, I think I'm part of the shift that is called to integrate our professional identities and our spiritual identities. We don't need to carry two identities anymore. So there's a lot of people out there that believe they still have to have two identities. And I, I think the more identities you have to maintain, the worse life is. Like I want, I want to just have one identity that's, you know, that crosses all of the roles that I participate in, not have to maintain multiple identities. The business world pushed spirituality out. And now because it's so toxic and because of the great resignation and because of, you know, the information that exists, I think that it's now inviting spirituality into it. I think that's fascinating. Is there a moment that things shifted for you when you kind of came together? Yes, yes. Um, my, uh, I, so I was raised very spiritual. If I look at my pattern now, I realize I was always a seeker. And I've been to Jerusalem. I'd been 
uh, privileged to go to the Pope's private residence in the Vatican and hold his ring in my hand. And, and I've you know been in some very spiritual containers, to say the least. But I never really had proof of how the other side worked. I never, you know, it was always theory. You know, I'd read about these things. I believed in these things, but I didn't know about these things. And my life changed when my mother transitioned. She passed away. It was a very difficult experience. Uh, it resulted as, it was a result of alcohol. She'd fallen down a flight of stairs, was in a coma for two years, severely handicapped for five years after she, uh, 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 you know, came back from the coma. And so I lived my life for about seven years with a lot of turmoil, a lot of trauma, and it was very difficult. And in conjunction with my son having autism and some of the other behaviors that I was bringing, you know, into the world myself. So uh, after uh, my mother transitioned, well, as she was transitioning, I should say, I made a deal with her that, you know, when she transitioned, I said that I would become the leader that I was destined to be. And, you know, we, we went through a process, a spiritual process. As she elevated, I now could feel her presence. I could smell her scent. She would come to me in dreams. I would get signs. I, all of a sudden, I started to know that there was two realities. There was a reality that I, let, I was led to believe the world was, and then there was this other reality. And as I started to get to know that other reality, I realized that my life's work would be to help people make a connection to the real reality, the truth. We, we in the material realm, when we're focused on money and on ego and on you know, our status and all of these things, when we're in that realm, which I spent 40 years of my life trying to master that realm, when we're in that realm, we're only really connecting to about 1% of the truth. And when we start to experience the other realm, we can get the a be, a, more of the whole picture. We don't ever get the whole picture, but we get a much uh, bigger percentage of it once we make that connection. That's very beautifully articulated. And Thank I have, you. you know, I spent my early 20s living in an ashram and I never really talked about it until Jay Shetty started talking about being a monk. And I'm like, wow. And the funniest thing, not funniest, a thing just happened recently. Uh, I connected to a gentleman who is one of the TV stars on Pawn Stars. We became friends. And as we're sitting in Las Vegas recently, we had a conversation that I can guarantee no one in the entire state of Nevada could have this conversation. He started talking about my guru and, the, and Muktananda and Guru Mai and City Yoga. And I'm looking at him and he knows, he not only knows all the things I know, but he's known them in India. And I'm thinking, and we just happen to connect right here. Nobody here has any idea what we're talking about, but this is our life and we're in Vegas talking about it. Yeah, I thought the more I do this, the more I've experienced, whether it's my near death experience or food or or meditation or the, all the things that I've been doing my whole life that people are like, whatever. There is a level of this that I've always seen. And now I take it into my work. I do some very out there transitioning for people. Mm-hmm. I have taken it upon myself to create a thing called breakthrough because I see and hear things that other people don't. People will yeah. touch me like you did for me, but they will touch me or I walk past them and they'll start to cry. And I remember my kids growing up literally saying, mom, you're kidding me, right? We're in a chicken feed store and this woman is crying about her rape store. I'm like, I know, I know, baby, just chill out. It'll be fine. And that's happened more and more. Um, I am looking in the next part of my life to elevate that because it's so on one side of a spectrum. Yeah. But for everybody, you do some things. You focus on your breath. You focus on morning routines. At least this is what I have read. Will you Mm -hmm. please share with us some of the things that we can gain insight? Well, there's a number of practices. So to give you context, 
when my mother transitioned, I told her, you're going to see all of me when you transition. And you're not going to like what you see. Because she only saw her, her baby boy as this hardworking entrepreneur that was, you know, changing the world and, and who I truly was, you know, I had that in me, but who I was truly being was not that I had some very toxic behaviors, I was involved in toxic substances, toxic relationships. And, and I had a lot of the gang member in me that was not healed. I just channeled that into monetary, uh, you know, monetary pursuits. And so there was a lot of unhealed stuff going on. Mm. And in that transition, once, you know, I was, you know, just wrecked by grief, I was in total agony, I lost the love of my life, a woman, I never really got to tell how much I loved her and how much I cared about her. And because of the way, you know, she went away, I had seven years worth of just, you know, pain and agony, wondering if today's the last day that she's going to be around and not being able to communicate with her and all of the stuff that I went through, there was a lot of unexpressed love. And all of a sudden, all of that love just came to the surface. And as it came to the surface, I started to heal. And I started to reconcile some of the behaviors and some of the patterns and some of the bad decisions. And I had the, the privilege to spend two years doing nothing but healing. I quit responding to text messages, emails. I resigned from boards. I walked away from investments. I, you know, I sold investments. I said, I'm not doing business anymore. I'm not doing anything. I'm only going to heal. And during that time, I got a message that the more that I healed, the more that I would be able to help heal others. I didn't know how. I didn't, I was like a healer. Are you kidding me? I'm not a healer. I'm a, I'm a businessman. I'm a technologist. I'm, you know, my, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I'm all of these things. I'm a healer. Like, God, are you playing games with me here? Have I, have I gone crazy? But I just kept going deeper. And, you know, I realized that there was a number of different ancient uh, modalities, meditation and breath work and scripture and a variety of others. And I realized that there was a purpose to them and a variety of different wisdom. So I looked into Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Kabbalah. I looked into, which is an ancient form of Jewish mysticism. I looked into Christian mysticism, Sufism. You know, for two years, I wanted to know any practice that worked that allowed me to connect deeper to my mother. And as I would take these practices on, I would, I would find the ones that worked for me. I'd simplify them. I'd perfect them to a degree. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm perfect at anything, but I would get to a place where I can make that connection. And I just developed a system. And, and, you know, I developed a personal system first. And then the universe started sending me people. And I'd take them through my personal system. And I'd watch them transform. They would transform drug addiction, things that, you know, they couldn't get rid of their whole lives, all of a sudden started leaving them once and for all. And when I saw that, I said, I think I have a new job. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how to scale it by any means. But I'm going to go out there and try to help as many people as I possibly can heal and, you know, and just make the rest of my life about that. And so it's been three years now since I came out of my cave and I've started helping people heal. And now I've, you know, I've, I've been able to help 89,000 uh, students and that number grows by hundreds a day, each and every single day. Because the company you created is called Alter Call. Yeah. Alter Call. An interesting name for a company. What does it mean? Well, we help people alter their lives so that they can answer their calling. And think of us as a self-mastery program for spiritual entrepreneurs. And a spiritual entrepreneur is simply someone who prioritizes their spirituality in their professional identity. So if you're an entrepreneur, 
but you're spiritual and you see the vehicle that you're working in as an opportunity for to, for you to express your love and wisdom in the marketplace, then, you know, you're the right fit for us. Now, there's other types of entrepreneurs that, you know, they're not spiritual or they don't care about making the world a better place. They're not, you know, about impact. And those aren't the people we work with. You know, I God bless them. They have a purpose and they have a role. But I work with entrepreneurs that see the work they do as an opportunity to change the world. And I want to help as many people do just that. Wow. Nice to meet you. I didn't. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We get to meet. We, you get to meet the new version of me. Well, back at you. There's a very new and improved version over here as well. Yeah. As I discovered, definitely my parents' passing was part of it, but falling in love, mm. how I created what I wanted after 10 years of, of whatever it is that I did at that time and got to a certain point that I don't really share those stories, committed to being mom and committed to being miserable and committed to being the abused end of a narcissist and dealing with that and thinking that that was okay until luckily somebody just on a call. I remember exactly where I was, literally the turnoff on like the I-75 right outside of a casino when you got on your way to Disney World. Somebody said to me, Forbes, are you married? I'm like, why do you ask? <laughs> Probably that tone. He said, because I don't see any love in your work. I'm like, screw you. Everybody loves me. <laughs> I love everybody. What do you mean? No, we're loving my... And I hung up the phone and something hit my heart that I pulled over on the side of the road and I had a massive epiphany that I was working out of anger and survival mode. And that if I kept going, I should probably take the car and run into a ditch. Cause what was I doing? Yeah. And that day I did some of the things that I have other students do on myself and began to list. What do you want? What are you willing? What are you, what are you here for? And, and why are you doing, you know, you, you get, you get what you tolerate and why would you choose to tolerate that? I unpacked a lot of that, did whatever journey I needed to, and then wrote down what I wanted maybe for the first time in my life. I've been obsessed with the word, what do you want forever or the phrase. Um, and then that walked into my life as many things have that I've written down or created. Yeah. And now because of that love, and it's a love that's innocent, it's a love that is loyal and it's it's unlike anything I've ever experienced because I commanded that, demanded that. Um, and then when I said, let's get frivolous and I want him to look like he walked off the cover of a romance novel, that showed up too. <laughs> and I tell people it's okay to do that because that's what I wanted. And so it's it's a bit fun and frivolous and why shouldn't that be your life if you want it to be? You know, I don't want to do the, I don't want to be a monk. I want to be a bold, audacious, amazing woman who is so loved that all I can do is give that to you guys. Wow. Wow. It resonates. It feels spectacular. Um, yeah. You know, I'll tell you, Forbes, my, uh, the second half of my journey, you know, is, is to deeply understand love and the curriculum that love is because it has to, there's so much that love can teach you. And so this is how I plan to spend the rest of my life is learning and deeply experiencing love in a variety of different ways. I don't have romantic love in my life right now. So if any of your listeners are, are in the marketplace, I would love to venture into that. Um, and, you know, I, I've experienced love with my son, love of nature, love of my community, you know, love of my work, love of myself, love of my uh, environment. I mean, I love my house plants. Like I'm in love right now at all times. I got a lot of house plants and I love these things. <laughs> when, they, 
when they when they're suffering if they're they need a little love like i'm over there taking care of them i have two dogs you know i had a parrot that was with me for 28 years but i i agree with you i think that venturing into love and to truly realizing that the curriculum of love is the most advanced spiritual work we can do and learning it in all of its forms romantically included which you've you know you've done is going to enhance your soul to be able to serve at the level that you do well, don't wait as long as I did. I was 57 when I found him. Um, I'm, 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 I'm uh, open for business. Okay. So I'm, well, I'm praying I'm, about it. I have written it down. I have, uh, I've done the work, but what I keep reminding myself, you know, cause they'll, I'll go on a date or I'll have someone have interests and I'll realize, okay, that's not my soulmate. That's not the one for me, but great human beings. Maybe they were called into my life for another reason, maybe I'm supposed to give them a word of wisdom, or that maybe they're supposed to give me a word of wisdom or help me refine what I'm not looking for. And so, you know, in this experience, I just realized that the key is for me to continue building myself and continue elevating myself so that I will be ready for when the love of my life appears. And I have, a, I love that you said it and articulated it that way. And I'd love to read the list because I have an interesting connection, you know, <clears throat> When I met Joshua, and one of the things that he said to me was that he lost his dad in a car crash when he was two years old. His mother then went on to marry someone and then ended up marrying his dad's brother. It was a very small town, his uncle, who, when he was 15, was killed in a car crash. His truck ran over his dad and he was in a football game at the time and through the, you know, through the winning pass that day. And I'm listening to that energy of what that created in this little boy who has this in, this very deep sense of loyalty. And I've never, you'll, you won't meet many people like that on the planet who've experienced that scenario. Yeah. And I thought, wow. And I could feel that. I could feel this, this overarching energy that just intersected. And I also, this is another powerful thing for everyone listening as the male and female gender thing is coming up all over the place for people. I truly understand what I did wrong in my first relationship, which is, fascinating but apparently there's a male and female energy for both of us and my my ex when dexter was murdered was stayed home to take care of the the babies and i'd come home like oh i slayed the dragon honey and i did that. and he's a six foot six notre dame football player big tough guy that's what maybe i fell in love with him and he'd go that's great here's some dinner and i'd say come on let's go to the bedroom he's like i got laundry <laughs> i lost a little respect then when yeah. i came home in my masculine he was in his masculine did you hear about the earthquake in 1990? That was us. That was boom. Yeah. I never, I, my journey was, I didn't know what it meant to be feminine. I didn't know what it was to like come home and say, sweetheart, how do I help you and be there? And I'll just conclude with this. This was not my idea, but Forbes is my, my more of a stage name, my last name growing up, but Francine was my given name. And when I changed it, I got a little tougher. And when I met Joshua, he said, I love Forbes Riley. She's great, but you leave her at the door because Francine's the little girl that I want when I come uh -huh. home. That's beautiful. That's all what evolution, by the way, what an amazing evolution, right? You know, you are, you're an inspiration, the love that you have right now, the understanding that you're gaining. I mean, this is what the journey of life is all about. It's just to better understand yourself. And it sounds like you've created this, this beautiful environment to do just that. One of our listeners, Olga just said, we're going to do a new course. You and I call the curriculum for love. Uh, I love it. The male and female energy side, I think that's fascinating. This has been an amazing conversation. I do want to also steer it to anything that you would like to share. We have a huge audience around the world. Um, I'm loving this conversation, but what is in your message and your passion and what you're doing with what your work, what would you like my listeners to know most? Mm. You know, I think from a, 
tactical standpoint, we all know what we want out of life. We all, you know, have dreams and visions and we know we want something more. I think deep down inside of us, there's an innate desire to tap into our unlimited potential. And I think many of us suffer from the pain of having a tremendous amount of untapped potential. And the greater that pain is really the gap between your potential and how much of that potential you're tapping into. And so for those people that are suffering from the pain of untapped potential, I just want to leave you with something. The way you tap into that untapped potential is you turn your life over to a cause greater than yourself. And you're willing to give up the things that are stopping you from tapping into that potential, whether it be toxic substances, relationships, binge watching, binge eating, binge drinking, distractions, time wasters. These are the things that stop us from tapping into our potential. And so if you want these goals, if you want to live a better life, if you want to have more joy, more abundance, if you want to have greater financial prosperity, it's not necessarily just setting the goals. That's very important. But it's what are you willing to let go of? What are you willing to restrict? What are you willing to stop doing so that you can start doing the things that you need to do so that you can achieve what you're capable of? And so for those people out there that are dealing with untapped potential and the pain of it, know that I'm with you. I'm here to support you. And I can't wait to see you tap into the potential that you have within you because I believe each and every single one of us has a tremendous reservoir of untapped potential. That's extraordinary. I never actually laid it out that way. That's fascinating. Um, your notes talk about that you have a morning routine. What yeah. do you do? What do you do? Um, you know, I'm getting in touch with my feminine side. I, I'm a, I box. I'm a, I was always a fighter. And so, you know, as part of me wanting to get in touch with my feminine side, the first thing I do in the morning is I take a nice salt water bath, Epsom salt with essential oils. I burn incense and I spend a good hour, hour and a half inside the bath. Then I get into my wait, day. Wait, 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 wait. Stop right there. I got like eight girls who want to know where you live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, there's great fragrance in there. There's a great bath. I like candles. That's the way I start my day. I start from a very relaxed state. And then from there, I pick up the energy. I hit the gym. You know, I'm blessed to have a gym in my home. I box. I do, you know, different physical activities. I have hiking trails outside my house. So I go do that, eat healthy. And then I start my day. And, and I also read every single day. I have a mission to learn something before I start my day. So by the time I start my day, I've already won. I've done all of my self-love. I've set myself up. I've eaten healthy. I've worked out. I've relaxed. I've taken that bath. Then the rest of the day is just, it's play because I've already done the hard work, you know, and the rest of the day, uh, you know, tends to come with the flow, go with the flow. Now, there are days that it doesn't. Some days there's challenges. As an entrepreneur, I have about 30 employees. So some days there's challenges. And when that occurs, you know, I just go deeper into my spiritual practices. And I see the challenge as a friend, as an opportunity to grow. And when the challenges come, I embrace them. I learn from them. I accept them and move on quickly from them because I learned the lesson that they're there to teach me. And so I share with you these frameworks uh, so that way you can have, you know, beautiful days where you grow each and every single day too. How do you go to sleep at night? Like a baby, every single night. I, I um, you know, I, I tend to get up pretty early, you know, five, four, five a.m. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, asleep by say nine thirty, ten. And my, my shutdown routine is generally reading a book or listening to, you know, some uh, higher vibe kind of music. 
and I'm out pretty quick because I've I put it all on the floor every day. I don't have much trouble sleeping because I have spent the energy that I needed to spend. And I've done so in ways that are fulfilling and gratifying. And so as a result of that, I, I go out pretty quick. We have three minutes to close. I can't believe this. What would you like the world to hear right now? Well, the, the world right now needs a change. Um, we need leaders. We are, we are absent of leaders right now. And if you look at what's happening, the political landscape, wars, all of this garbage going on around, you know, the, uh, the medical narratives that are out there and whether, whatever side you're on, it's just the world is filled with chaos and, and difficulty right now. And it's all an absence of leaders. And so if I could call you to do anything and that I, I call you to, to identify yourself as a leader, and step into a higher level of leadership and start, you know, solving the problems that you are potentially called to solve, like get out there and lead and, and, you know, build a business and, um, and, you know, make the world a better place through the creative endeavors and the artistic endeavors and the spiritual endeavors that you bring to the world. So we need leaders, we need people to step up as leaders, we need millions of new leaders to emerge. So that way we can fight back against the negative forces at work right now that are destroying everything that we love and enjoy is under a constant attack because of an absence of true leadership. And so I invite you to identify and step into leadership right now if you're out there, much like Forbes is doing. That I've never heard that. I know that you're speaking to my heart and everyone who's going to listen to this. I'm going to play that clip over and over again because I've never heard it articulated that way. And that is, in fact, what's going on. You look at the people that we are looking up to and it's curious and the things that we're being told and fed, it just, it's heart hurting and destroying. Wow. Yeah. All right. You, um, we've got one minute left. Give me a, a prayer or something you want to say to your son and all of the kids out there. Oh, you want me to, should we pray together? Yeah. Why not? Do you want? Go for it. You just close your eyes. Heavenly father. I thank you for everyone who has joined in here today. That's listening in. I thank you for every soul that is connected and resonated with the words that have come out in this beautiful fellowship that Forbes and I have and this wonderful friendship. And I'm just so blessed and so grateful and so thankful for everyone listening and, and for the energy that Forbes and I have been able to share with you. I just ask God that you inspire the next generation of leaders, that you raise up people, that you have them overcome what they're holding on to, let go of the past, have them elevate beyond their current circumstances so that they can lead many with them. I pray that you give people discernment on this call. I pray that you give people healing on this call. And I pray that you help people step into the role of leader and make the world a better place. And I say this humbly in your name. Amen. My friend, we are out of time. I am so overjoyed. I want to say the word that I love you. I don't want Joshua to get jealous, but I do. Oh, thank you, Forbes. I love you too. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I've got to run. Guys, I love you, all of you. I'll see you, Ryan. We'll do this again. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Love you, Forbes. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.